Uh, very good morning, everybody. It's Oliver Callan here until 10 o'clock this morning. The day is Wednesday now. It's the 5th of July. And I uh, hope you've been enjoying the end of the world rains and the sort of shower mageddons that we've been enduring yesterday. And by the sounds of what Brian Jennings just told us for today as well. Something looks I thought all the water and earth had fallen down on top of us at various times yesterday. The sky is not well, lads. The text, anyway, is 51551 at the text studio and your message to 80889. If you're in the north, you know what to do by now. Well, again, the uh, newspapers across the country are covered in um, the RTE scandal once more, which has gone well and truly bartering mad. That's the best way to put it. I thought I'd see sniffer dogs and people searching the campus this morning for new barter accounts. Goodness knows where they'll show up. Well, there, I can tell you there's no point in lifting... The carpets uh, in the radio centre here in that search, because I think uh, the carpets haven't been changed here since Jack Lynch was the Taoiseach. So you can you can, you can leave us out of that. Um, actually, speaking of Jack Lynch, I'm seeing in the, the papers this morning, which is good news for Cork City people, because if you've been down, down around the Dunkettle Interchange uh, any morning in the past couple of years, there has been just a lot of chaotic roadworks, which is obviously going to end up in something good, I presume, because they've been dug- digging up most of North Cork City. Uh, so anyway, motorists, according to the examiner today, are going to get their first free-flowing experience through the upgraded Dunkettle Interchange this weekend as six critical link roads open and traffic lights are switched off at one of our most notorious bottlenecks. So the tailbacks on the approach to the Jack Lynch tunnel will become a thing of the past. Good old Jack Lynch. There's nothing to, to remember you in Ireland quite like a, a hole in the ground filled with very angry cork people. I think that's a legacy. That's something that Michael Martin now would be really... I'd love a good hole in the ground full of furious, furious rebels. That'd be the thing to do. Uh, now this morning, actually, I'm looking forward to t- chatting with a sports psychologist, but it's something that's fascinated me and I'm sure many other people for some time. The, I suppose it's a, a very notable explosion in Irish, young Irish men and women in their 20s, 30s, and sometimes younger, who are gym fanatics. You know, the, it's a crowd that was a very small cohort, group of people, up until about five to ten years ago. Um, you know, they're in their athleisure wear, morning, noon and on a night out. They're in the cafes talking about exactly what they're eating, where they're getting their non-saturated, you know, fats and things like that. They're all over Instagram and it feels like Irish people have been Love Islanded into the gyms and into these triathlons and stuff like that. Obviously, generally a good thing, but at what stage does kind of the healthy approach to exercise and the gymming become an obsession and then tip into addiction? We're going to find out this morning with a fellow who's a sports psychologist. And I'm sure you know somebody who's been signed up to every marathon and every ultra uber test yourself till you drop challenge and titanium Ironman moon running trials. All that kind of macho language that's you know superhero type languages that sets you off on the insurance. And you begin to wonder, is there is there a we want in these people who are going to the gym three or four times a day and the hours they're spending there? Clearly, I'll never be accused of going to the gym too often. I would be in the Joan Rivers camp, you know, when she famously joked. Um, the first time I see a jogger smiling, I'll consider it. That's, that's, that's roughly where I am on the kind of spectrum of gin, gym fanaticism. 51551, that's our text number this morning. Now, across the newspapers, there's the story of two married actors. Uh, Amy Nuttall, she's an actress out of um, Emmerdale, and she has a cheating husband. 
It's not the way he's described. Love rat, they're describing some of the tabloids. Andrew Buchan, who's known from things like Broadchurch, very kind of British um, dramas and so on. Well, Amy has set her cheating husband, Andrew Buchan, seven strict rules to follow because their marriage has now recovered and she has set rules out. And that is all the discussion across all the newspapers interested in entertainment. And, and you don't want to discuss anything terribly seriously. Um, but they've set the, the world alight and everyone's discussing Amy's seven rules for Andrew. You know, obviously no contact with um, Leila Farzad, who uh, he had the affair with. She was a co-star in a different thing he was making. And so all these strings attached to help them rebuild their marriage. No contact with her, obviously. If he's working away from home, he has to check in via FaceTime with the iPhone. That annoying thing, you know, where people are talking to screens uh, where no one can see anything that's going on and just loud screaming and loud background noises. Uh, third rule, we must have full access to each other's phones at all time. Oh, that's one that drives people really up the walls and we'll come to that in a moment because there's a reaction to this as you can imagine every seven days we go on a date together then every seven weeks we go away for the night together then every seven months just the two of us no children we go away on holidays together and the seventh one our work must be on an equal footing because they're obviously both in the acting trade they have two children um, they married in 2012 so the FaceTime things and now I skip along to the reaction in the London Times in particular the seven rules to a marriage I know mine uh, says a number of writers in the Times reacting strongly to this. So they say, you know, these rules, these seven rules start out kind of reasonable. You know, first of all, the fellow who had the affair must have no contact with with um, herself ever again. Grand, yes. Second, if he's working away, he has to check in FaceTime. And they go, hold on a second. FaceTime is so annoying and calls from an away husband always come at the most inconvenient times, like when you're washing up uh, the, the kids' tea or you're producing the, the evening supper, whatever they're calling it, and or you're in the middle of some net absurd Netflix nonsense that's nonetheless very compelling and you have to pause it and then you listen to the call by the time the call is over you've run out of time to watch Netflix thing because you've got to go to bed I see their point and then the third fourth and fifth rules so called 7-7 dating rule which means a date night every week so once every seven days a night away alone as a couple every seven weeks and then a holiday alone no children every seven months seems impossible to follow immediately they say ugh organised romance is about as organised fun there's never been a no kids night away or weekend away with my husband that hasn't required almost superhuman sweaty nightmare levels of organisation and stress ended in a massive row or a full existential crisis for both of us. And this is Esther Walker writing in the London Times. And then work must be on an equal footing. Whatever that can mean, there are two actors. So, um, you know, what if he's... Does he have to turn down a Marvel role because she's got... A, oh, does she have to turn down a Marvel role because he's got a part in a pinter play that pays them £100 a week? So, you know, these things... Are not very good, and the one they most say is the um, the hot topic, hot button topic: phones. Come on, some things are sacred. A phone has to be one of them. Your phone is basically the inside of your head, and the inside of your head must be private too. Thoughts are not deeds, although I generally really appreciate it when it comes to digital communication that this is a grey area. And they go on to this, and they compose their own rules, uh, which I won't go into all of them, but I do. Oh yes, this one here: you can watch ahead a TV series only once the other spouse has declared no more interest in it. Yes, I'm up for that one and I've seen nodding faces <laughs> in behind the glass as well. The next one, you must sort out your own tech. As for your spouse's phone, you must absolutely ask permission before even touching it. While inside the phone, you do no, not poke about in search histories, emails or WhatsApps. That might be a more divisive one, I would think. But I suppose it's all about trust, isn't it? If it's about trust and you trust the person. You're not going to be poking around in their phone looking for something. Now, uh, The Guardian tells us in a slightly related note, 
that birds in the animal kingdom may be divorcing due to the um, aforementioned promiscuity or the long spells apart, which might be caused by the birds' seven rules, such as, you know, FaceTiming when they're apart and so on. So affairs are lengthy spells apart, commonly spelled divorce for human couples, as we know, but it seems similar factors play a role in the breakup among birds. So it's thought 90% of bird species generally have a single mate over one breeding season, if not longer. Okay. But some monogamous birds will switch to a different partner for the next breeding season, despite their original mate remaining alive and nearby. And this is behaviour that's being labelled by these scientists as divorce. So they've looked at the possible factors and experts say they tend to focus on individual species or groups of species. OK, so who are the dirt birds? Um, plovers, swallows, martens and blackbirds have high divorce rates and high levels of male promiscuity. Whereas the, uh, the, the albatrosses, the geese and the swans have low divorce rates and male promiscuity, according to these scientists. Yeah, the, the geese and the swans do seem to just have a kind of more mellow, chilled approach. Blackbirds uh, obviously get loads of poetry and songs written about them because they look and sound beautiful. But the little known fact is that the male birds are making that song. They're basically roaring at people to stay the feck out of their garden. This is my garden. Stay out of here. All right, you wipe all of me. So you know, it sounds beautiful and mellifluous to our ears, but to the birds, they're going, no, that, that guy is swearing. That fella is swearing at us. Get out of that garden, basically is what he's saying. This is my territory. There we go. Ten minutes on divorce. You know, this is where it's all happening here, folks. 51551 is our text number. Ah, we're back to Wimbledon, safer territory. We were talking earlier in the week about the uh, enormously unpopular favourite to be the men's Wimbledon champion again, Novak Djokovic, and all the territory that goes with him. Well, Roger Federer is in the papers, smiling there. I'm seeing him in the Daily Telegraph, which must be the official uh, Wimbledon lawn tennis, British club, all that kind of uh, stuff. Smiling away with um, Kate Middleton, the Princess Kate, uh, Duchess of something or other, I can't remember, Cambridge. I know she's the Princess of Wales now, sure, isn't she? There you go. You can't keep up with their, their titles and promotions. And uh, Roger Federer is there looking very smart and everyone is cooing about him again. Roger Federer, he's only 41, I imagine. He's been playing forever. Uh, so he's done an interview with CNN where he's talking about um, how his children initially no interest in tennis. Now they're mad for tennis. So he has twin daughters and twin sons. And they're now all playing tennis up to four times a week. And while the 20-time Grand Slam, champ- Slam, Grand Slam champion often finds himself on court with them, he has told CNN... Now he has to kind of take a back seat because, you know, most people obviously would go, would you like to be coached by Reg- Roger Federer? Yes. But not if you're his kids. They're going, no, nothing, we don't want to know what he knows. He's the dad and he doesn't want to, people don't want to hear what he's saying. Let's hear what he's been saying. He's been speaking to Christine McFarland from CNN Sport, Roger Federer. I didn't need my first kids to be tennis players, to be honest. And we were traveling, so it was hard to put in the hours. Okay. But now I really start feeling it now that they're about to turn 14. They want to play more and more and more. So they're starting to play three, four times a week now. So I'm, I'm happy for them. And the boys, I can feel they're going to be much more sporty from the beginning, but maybe also because we have a more settled life. So you are coaching three or four times a week? You know, I'm not the coach. I am the dad. And the dad's <laughs> advice, as we know, only goes so far. And uh, it doesn't matter if you've won Wimbledon or not. You're still the dad. <laughs> 
You're still the dad. I think there's a lot of people nodding along to that one. Uh, now, from the hugely beloved Roger Federer to a crashing idol. Um, the Idol is the name of the show. It's a HBO thing. It's been going out here on Sky and now TV. And it features Johnny Depp's, Lily Rose Depp, who's Johnny Depp's daughter, let's face it, and pop star, The Weeknd. And I've heard people say they're, they're looking at The Weeknd and listening to him slightly differently because of this show, which has been literally labelled as the worst television show of the year. Its finale, fifth episode, has just gone out and the reviews have been savage. Now, the creator, Sam Levinson, who's pretty well known, he did Euphoria Netflix, which very well received, won loads of awards and so on. He predicted that his provocative drama would be the biggest show of the summer. So he was right. It was very provocative because it features lots of nudity, lots of very uncomfortable scenes around um, S&M, sex and so on. And, and, and sleazy people, basically, featured in this fictional show. And um, it starred Johnny Depp's daughter, Lily Rose Depp. The weekend is in it. Surely the worst TV show of the year, says The Guardian, or says The Telegraph. The Guardian said it was one of the worst programmes ever made. A painfully tedious TV non-event. The dampest squib of a finale ever. Um, what else are they saying here? They're, they're talking about it. It's, um, the Rolling Stone says it was the idol's atonal pileup of hazy character motives, narrative dead ends, remarkably unsexy sex scenes. It finished with neither a bang nor a whimper. It was just quite as bad as what preceded it. It can either be read as damning with faint praise or seen as a small victory of sorts. Um, nobody seemed to say anything good. The BBC said conf- there was confusion over what it was supposed to be. There's many shows masquerading as one. Uh, was it an erotic drama? Did it explore power dynamics in an SNM relationship? Was it a satire and the absurd nature of the music industry? It flip-flopped about awkwardly, never landing and we wanted to deliver. And uh, the seeming focus trying to be edgy, but really ended up doing, just being sick and twisted. Um, so, And I thought, the first 20 minutes of the first episode, it seemed to be a kind of a fun uh, satire on the, the the music industry and you've got all these awful people from um, from the fictional version of Live Nation and so on uh, and the record industry and then it just turned into this weird uh, thing with The weekend, uh, and, and I, all, that's all I can think of now ever when I hear The weekend. and I was a major fan even though he, it's not The weekend, he's playing a character but it's, it's hard when something is this bad and is being savaged today that um, anyone can, can, can look at it any, in any other Positive light. Uh, Now, it's not called the White House for nothing, apparently, because cocaine has ended up in the White House. Uh, The New York Times tells us an initial test of the white powdery substance found inside the White House, which obviously sparked a bit of a security concern because they were wondering, you know, anthrax and all that, which is a very naughty era kind of terrorism alert now, isn't it? Anthrax been posted places in in American government institutions. It turned out to be cocaine. And uh, they very quickly put in here that President Biden and his family were away when it was discovered. Well, I don't think anyone is thinking Joe Biden was involved in that. I'd say he takes the tea bag out of his tea after about 10 seconds, just in case it might be too strong for him. Um, because he's a very clean living man is what I mean. I'm not slagging him, OK, before he takes in for mail. Uh, so obviously um, that's being investigated at the moment and we don't know who, who was behind it. But um, I'm surprised now looking here that they didn't go for a more finar finar headline with the White House and everything. Adele has been out and about. This is something, uh, it's been like a series of stories on um, fans, or as we now know them, fanatics at live music concerts behaving very badly, throwing things like their mother's ashes on stage in a shopping bag. And someone was struck by a bracelet the other day. Just terrible. Someone was hit by an iPhone in the face, which I thought was far by far the worst. Uh, Particularly because the intention was film yourself on the stage, hand me back the phone, and I'm just going to throw my phone at you in the middle of your show. Uh, Adele has reacted strongly. She's obviously in her residence in Las Vegas. 
and she came out sporting a very American thing. You know the t-shirt guns they have that they, um, it's like a kind of a big thing that fires a t-shirt into the crowd. So you're not going to be harmed by a flying t-shirt, I take it. So she arrives out kind of um, with, the, <laughs> with the t-shirt gun and she's just shouting about her audience and saying, if anyone's thinking about throwing things, you know, she is going to effing kill you. She's obviously doing it in a very jokey way. And she's laughing the whole way through. She said, have you noticed that people are like forgetting their effing show etiquette at the moment? She's throwing stuff on stage. Have you seen them? I dare you tonight. I dare you throw something at me. I'll effing kill you. And she shoots a t-shirt into the crowd jokingly. She says, stop throwing things at the artist when you can shoot things to people. I've been seeing these people. They've lost it. Can you imagine? And I think she did a very smart kind of humorous threat. If you... You, you kind of can't take tension out of everything if you just crack jokes about it. Now, I was talking about um, pickleball, which is the American phenomenon, and the Irish people picking up this American thing, which is, makes a very annoying uh, noise, and it affects people terribly. But um, it's quite interesting just to learn about Irish uh, people playing American sports over there. And the Irish Wolfhounds are an Irish baseball team, all Irish baseball team. They're in the US. Uh, they're going to play uh, their next game on Staten Island, according to the Irish Daily Star this morning. And it's quite interesting. The roster of the Irish Wolfhounds Baseball Club includes college and pro baseball players who are citizens of Ireland. Each player is eligible to play for Team Ireland in the Olympics and the World Baseball Classic. And this is the idea of helping Ireland to get to the World Baseball Classic um, using the, I think it's quite a nice name, the Irish Wolfhounds is what they're called. Um, so it's quite a fascinating thing. The Irish Wolfhounds Baseball Club is a project from the Irish American Baseball Society, which is a non-profit supporting youth baseball programmes in Ireland while operating the Irish American Baseball Hall of Fame. So we'll follow, we'll follow their um, endeavours with great interest. Another very interesting story across the water is in um, is in the story. Forest Green is the name of a club, and they've appointed Hannah Dingley. Why is Hannah Dingley in the news? She is the new head coach. She's a caretaker head coach, but at the moment head coach, and she has become the first woman to take charge of an English football league club. This is soccer. Um, so the Gloucestershire club appointed Dingley following the departure of a fellow called Duncan Ferguson. He's a 51-year-old Scott. He was unable to keep them in League One. Rovers just won six out of 46 games and they've installed Dingley in interim charge. She's the first woman to lead a men's professional senior team in England. I think this is um, amazing stuff. The chairman of the of Forest Green Club says she's done a fantastic job leading our academy, well aligned with the values of her club and it's telling for the men's game that in making this appointment we'll break new ground. So that, I think, is a fascinating Interesting story indeed. Now, 51551, that is our text number. We're going to go to the 80s now. She sells Sanctuary. Yes, this is a good, it's one of the all-time great radio records. And um, we've lots of stuff coming up this morning. Enjoy, good morning, bring a brolly and maybe a pair of wellies wherever you're going. 51551, that's the text. the cult this texture says great kick-ass track now I'm dancing around the kitchen kicking chairs while my eggs poach hen's eggs for the avoidance of doubt says Ruth uh, would I have thought of anything else Ruth I could tell you I, I have no idea a single lyric in that song I know that my my ears love it and I feel happy 
But uh, and I generally can't hear the lyrics of songs or remember them. I'm I'm one of those people who just kind of I, I was very very bad at the Irish and French owl. Um, it's just it just it don't exist in my head. But I, that one really stumps me. I have no idea what they're saying. She sells sanctuary. Did even say that at any point? Uh, thanks for the cult flashback, Oliver. Has brought me back to my radio days on WDOM FM in the US in the mid '80s. Says Mark. WDOM FM. They love their acronyms and kind of like welcome to Fox twenty five eighty two and this is WXT eighty five here from Wichita Falls. Uh, it's a, some there's a strange history to do with the naming of broadcast channels in America, which uh, we don't have time to get into or nobody's interested anyway. Um, other texts. I'm surprised there aren't many texts coming in on the seven rules for for marriage and a happy marriage, according to. Um, the, the actors across the water and I'm wondering are spouses now monitoring each other's phones have we, have we caused a mass outbreak of spousal surveillance uh, well I would say text in but you're not allowed to blink and we'll, we'll come and help you um, Oliver can you please give a little push to the sporty team launching up the hill for Jack and Jill today in St Stephen's Green in Dublin hope the weather keeps fine for us says Carmel Doyle Carmel absolutely done but you know just bring the old brolly and uh, the wellies but look up for electrical storms as well just be on a Kuramaka fad and uh, enjoy the seagulls but remember as people are telling us it's their territory you're living the humans are the interferers okay um, the sense of achievement oh this is important actually the sense of achievement on finishing a marathon is amazing for anyone who finishes it's a sign of determination and endurance if you can't do one yourself, get out there and support those who have that commitment, which I've done, Texter. I've, I've followed um, my sister off to Geneva where she did the, um, the triathlon thing. And I know all of the, these people in my life who do all these things. What we're going to be discussing this morning, though, is where that tips from being very healthy, because it's a very healthy thing, into something that is decidedly not. And Dr. Tyg McIntyre is going to be with us um, after the break to discuss that sports and exercise Specialist, uh, But before that, I actually want to mention this other thing. Someone says, hi, Oliver, there's a must-see series coming out on Sky Max. It's this Friday, 7th of July, starring Limerick actor Liam McNamara. Please give it a mention. Indeed, it's in the papers as well. Liam McNamara is um, an ex-UCC student, which is obviously the cork element of this story, the examiner. And she was in Normal People, the Dublin Murders, and now she's going to be in Then You Run. That's the name of the show to look out for. Uh, she plays a rebellious teenager sent to live with her estranged father, who happens to be one of the most notorious drug dealers in Europe. That's a good premise, isn't it? So look out for Then You Run and particularly uh, Leah McNamara, who's a lead in that show and yet another star from out here. That's the, that's, the, that's the good news and the positive stuff to hang on to. It's half past nine. We have to go to a break. 51551 is the text number back after these. <laughs> 